The draft lottery is just around the corner and we are continuing our prospect coverage here at Lockdown Blue Jackets. Today, we've got Tony Ferrari here to talk all about Riley Height and how he could be an effective player for the Blue Jackets if he can keep his career path going the way that it is. Your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you the good, the bad, and the ugly about your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets continues to be free and available on all podcast platforms. We're over on YouTube, so uh, feel free to like, subscribe, comment. If you hit the little bell button below this video, then you will get notified when new episodes go live. Like I said at the top of the show, uh, we have got another prospect profile for you today uh, we're talking all about Riley Height from the uh, Prince George Cougars really really interesting player we've got Tony Ferrari from the Hockey News very very smart prospect guy to, uh, to talk about it and he can say it much better than I can so uh, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into my conversation with Tony so the Blue Jackets second first round pick has been solidified mostly uh, it's going to be between 21 and 23 uh, depending on what the Panthers and the Kraken do in the second round. So I figured, hey, let's take a look at a couple more depth guys, guys who maybe shouldn't be there at 21, but probably will be for uh, various reasons. So I've got Tony Ferrari, noted prospect expert, very smart man, uh, to uh, to come and talk all about Riley Height today. Um, and so Riley Height is a name that I keep hearing, but I know basically nothing about him. So I guess let's start with the basics. What kind of player is what kind of player are you getting with Riley Height? Riley Height's an exceptional playmaker. I think that's the biggest thing with his game. I think he's a guy that he, he's played at center. He's played on the wing. I think he, he probably projects, in my opinion, a little bit more towards the wing at the next level. But he's a very, very good playmaker, incredibly skilled passer, has an outstanding vision in the offensive zone. He's very good in transition as well. He's one of these players that you look at his game and, and while you, you'd like for him to kind of take some of the risk taking out of his game a little bit. That's kind of what, what makes him special as well. So I think that's the big thing with him is you want him to refine things, but not really change his game up that much because he has all sorts of offensive skill. His shot's going to need work. I think at the end of the day, he's not going to be a big, big goal scorer at the next level. So that's kind of limiting his, his potential, limiting his ceiling. And that's why he's down, down the board a little bit. But at the end of the day, this is a guy that, Tied with Logan Stankoven for fourth in WHL scoring. He had 97 points, almost almost 100 points on the year. And, and he scored more than guys like Andrew Kristall. And while Kristall had some injuries that kind of prevented him from surpassing height, height's a very, very good player who, who's driving a lot of the offense on that Prince George team. Yeah, for sure. That was going to be the, the, the thing I brought up next. So people aren't talking about him. And you look at... Like you said, he tied for fourth in league scoring. Um, now, admittedly, Stankover did it in 48 games. He did it in 68 <laughs> games. But it feels, and this is something we talked a little bit about um, just before the recording, it feels a lot like when they drafted Jordan DeMay and I went to look this guy up and was like, okay, he he was second or third in league scoring for the, the um, QMJHL last season. Um, can you kind of talk a little bit about 
similarities between these two players? Is it a similar thing of, oh, he's short, that's why we're not talking about him? Or is there something kind of else happening there? Well, I, I think the big thing with the, the difference between these two guys I'll start with is that while Jordan Dumais had some pace issues, some issues outside of the offensive zone and skating kind of flaws that held him back a little bit, and despite the offensive production, which was completely obvious, I'll, uh, it stood, stood, spoke for itself on the stat sheet, Riley Height's not a guy that has those flaws. I think he's a very good skater. He's a really good transition player, understands how to weave and, and bob through defenders in the neutral zone get the puck into the offensive zone and create for himself. I don't think he's a guy that needs someone to get the puck to the offensive zone for him. He's able to do it on his own. And he is a little bit bigger than Jordan Dumais at the end of the day. I think Jordan Dumais is a guy that's, if I'm not mistaken, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, at best. And that's probably pretty generous. But Riley Hyde's a guy that's listed at 5'11". He's almost 180 pounds. He's a stockier kid as well. He has, he's kind of got a good sturdy frame. And you don't have to worry about that with him. He's a good – he's – pretty good on the four check he understands how to get the puck off the wall is he the best at it certainly not he's not going to be the guy that you're hoping on your line can get the puck off the wall but he's certainly capable of it so i think there's a lot more translatability towards the pro game that riley height has in his game so i do think he's going to be a guy that goes in the first round whether it's in that 15 to 20 range or maybe even in in the 20s i don't think he makes it to the second round and if he does some team's probably going to get a really really good prospect that's better than 10 15 guys in the first round yeah, I feel like it always goes like that. Of there's a guy that goes like 42nd overall, and people are yeah. like, "How the heck did he did he drop that far?" Um, Riley Height is listed as a center on the um, WHL website. I feel like this is a, this is a conversation that comes up every single time because if there's one thing the Blue Jackets need, it's centers. Can he play center in the NHL? Should he play center in the NHL? Yeah, he certainly can. I think he he's played a lot of center this year. He plays with a fellow draft eligible Cohen Zemer, who's a very good finisher, a very good play connector, but not necessarily the driver. And in guy like Riley Height has been really good at driving the play and, and being the one that's creating everything for that offensive line. I think he he's capable of it. I think I still do see him as a as a winger down the road, but maybe he ends up as one of those quasi center wingers where he's a technically a winger on the line but he takes some face-offs fills in a little bit defensively uh, at that end of the ice and uses his speed and stuff like that and maybe he's just kind of that utility guy that ends up being that kind of middle six winger center that kind of fills in whenever there's an injury but doesn't play center full time in a minute we've got more conversation about height with tony but first i've got to tell you all about game time because i don't know about you but i am terrible at planning ahead i love to do things last minute and game time makes buying tickets for things last minute easier than basically anywhere else. It shouldn't be stressful. And with game time, it's not. It's a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got deals on last minute tickets. They've got a best price guarantee. They've got event cancellation protection. It's easy to find and buy tickets for basically every kind of event. You don't have to plan months in advance. If you wake up one day and you're like, hey, I want to go to a Blue Jackets game then Game Time has you covered. They've got flash deals for football, basketball, concerts, baseball, comedy, hockey, theater, and more. And it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. Use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed yeah for sure 
um, which I feel like the Blue Jackets have a ton of those guys. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like you could never have two, like looking at the, the face-off win percentage of various Blue Jackets this season, I feel like you could never have enough guys that play on the wing but know how to win a face-off. Um, it could be it could be interesting. Um, where do you see him in terms of development? Like, is he a guy that's going to take the full four years in the WHL? Is he a guy that's going to be ready to maybe hop in to the NHL a little bit earlier than we thought, or what is what is the the like what what would you project his kind of development path over the next two to four years to be like? Well, he just turned eighteen at the end of March, so he's got some time in the WHL. He played two more seasons there if he really wants to. I see him playing at least one more there. I don't think he's going to make the jump to the NHL, and he's he's not eligible for the AHL. But I think he's going to go to the AHL kind of as soon as possible in that second the second year in his age twenty season. I think he goes and, and develops well there and, and plays a season or two there. Maybe he gets a taste of NHL action, but three years and when he's about 21, I think that's kind of when you're starting to expect him to kind of make that Blue Jackets jump and, and be a little bit more of a solidified piece in that, that system. I think he's certainly got the skill and the speed and the, the, the offensive talent for it. It's going to be about the strength, I think, with him. Like I said, his shot isn't quite the best. He's not really going to be a threat to shoot at the offense at the NHL level. So can he kind of develop that? Can he work on, on building the power and his sh- shooting ability? Because this, the skating is there, the playmaking is there, but when you're one-dimensional, teams can kind of pin you down in that one dimension. He just needs to kind of develop the rest of his game outside of the things that he's already very, very good at. Yeah, for sure. So if he, he's, okay, so let's say he gets drafted by the Blue Jackets this summer. Um, what is the number one thing that the Blue Jackets should be like, okay, go back home for the summer, work on this, come back for trading camp, and then we'll evaluate you. Like, what is his biggest, and we talked a little bit about kind of like strengths and flaws already, but like, what is the most important aspect of his game that you think he needs to improve to kind of make that jump to the NHL? Well, I think in the offseason, the thing you can work on is overall strength and getting in the shooting room a little bit. Like whether it's in his driveway, in a garage, at, at the rink, whatever, get get some shots on net, work on that that ability. And then when he gets to training camp in next season, work on his defensive game. I think rounding out that area of his game, showing that he can be a center long term is going to be really important next year because I think next year is the year where you kind of make that determination. Is this guy going to be a center or is he a guy that you look at as a winger? Uh, we look at the the Blue Jackets. Kent Johnson was listed as a center a lot of times, and at the end of the day, he's just a winger. That's kind of how his game profiles. I don't know if he ever sticks down the middle, but he's got the talent to do it. So you hope he can eventually. And I think Riley had a similar case in that regard. He has the talent. He has a lot of the tools to do it. Does he ever kind of figure that center position out, or does he go to the wing because he's going to be a very good winger if he doesn't end up there? Yeah, it feels like, and like I said this, I said this earlier, but it feels like the Blue Jackets have a lot of guys who could be centers but are very good wingers, um, which is kind of a frustrating place to be in because you go down and you look at their list of centers and you're like, okay, center, 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 and then you realize, okay, two of these guys have played center this season, yeah. and then you know you have like Patrick Line volunteering to play center because we have no, we have no centers. Um, but just looking at, at Riley Heights' um, stats, he said 97 points this season. 72 of those were assists. I wonder if you draft a guy like Riley Height and then just glue him to Kirill Marchenko and then yeah. watch those two guys go. 
Yeah, you put a guy that doesn't that refuses to shoot with a guy that refuses to pass, and it's a, it's a match made in heaven. I think that that would be really fun to watch those two guys together because Height does have that elite playmaking ability. Some of the passes I've seen him make, just in the middle of a deke, you see him make a pass and then finish the deking motion and just draw the defender with him. And you're like, wait, where'd that puck come out? And then you watch the replay and you see him do a little backhand thing while he still fakes the rest of the deke draws the defender over. He does little things like that to manipulate defenders doing that with a guy like Kirill Marchenko, who has the finishing power that he does. I think it'd be really fun to watch over the next few years. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's one of the things for me, and this is not necessarily like a prospect thing, but for the blue jackets to take a step next year, I feel like they have to find someone to basically just glue to Marchenko and pass the puck to him. And whether that ends up being a guy like Johnny Gaudreau, whether that ends up being a guy that they acquire this summer, like whether it's a prospect in the in the pipeline, like who knows? But that feels like a, a, a something to me for the Blue Jackets to find successes. They need to find someone who can play with Marchenko because the kid's got the kid's got something. And yeah. I think it's it's a case of you see how far you can run with this guy. Yeah, when you finish right near the top of the goal, the goal scoring chart for for rookies this year, and then you you finish, I think it was like 14th or 15th in total points. He's clearly got the finishing ability. It's it's there. It's just you need someone to kind of get him the puck. You need someone to be the driver of that line and and do some of the things and and let him develop that just facilitation side. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that out assists his, his goal total. So it's going to be a guy that I think you get, you can get twenty five and twenty five out of him at the at the peak, but you got to get him to that point where he has someone to work with. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of the the CHL in general because I feel like the WHL has this reputation of being the toughest league to play in, and I feel like players in the WHL are not overvalued necessarily but i feel like a player that has the same number of points in the in the whl versus the ohl and the qmjhl then you take the player from the whl like is that like is, is that just confirmation bias is that oh, not confirmation bias but like i can't think of what the word i want but is that do you think that there's a fair bias towards I, whl players especially in I this think... draft yeah i think it's interesting this draft i think the whl just has a ridiculously deep class i think it's fair in this draft in particular. I think if we're looking at the drafts over the last 10 years or so, I think the OHL is the one that kind of gets that bias of, of being the best league. And when you, when you kind of break things down, I think the WHL is certainly the toughest league. It's the, the hardest to play in. You get roughed up way more than any other, any of the other leagues. The OHL kind of has the reputation of being the, the most pro style league. I think they have a lot of systems, especially when you're in some of the bigger uh, organizations there, the London Knights, the Kitchener's, the Windsor, stuff like that. You have a lot of pro style systems and teams that run systems that are a little bit more translatable to the NHL level. So you get guys that are a little quicker to adapt in the QMJHL. You're basically watching Russian junior hockey. That league is falling off hard over the last 10 years or so. And in my opinion, you avoid that league in a lot of ways. I, I think you look for guys down the board and, and, and you take some swings out of that league, but taking a first round pick, taking a second round pick even out of that league is really risky, especially the defensemen. The defensive systems there are completely lacking. It's, it's really tough to, to translate out of that league because defenders play so far off. You have so much more room offensively to create and do things. It's easy to do. I think we look at a guy like Alexi Lafreniere who, 
absolutely tore that league up and he struggled to really produce offensively. He's had flashes and I think the skills there and I think he's still going to work out down the road and maybe not be what we all thought he could be, but still be a very good middle six, second line center or second line winger. Sorry. But is he ever going to reach that potential that we all kind of thought he had? So I think the OHL is the top league of the CHL three. I think WHL is right there behind it. I think those two leagues could be interchangeable based on any year. And this year, certainly the WHL is ahead of them. But the QMJHL really is falling behind it. And the gap's getting bigger every year, it seems. In a minute, we're going to finish up our conversation with uh, Tony about Riley Height. But first, I've got to tell you all about Athletic Greens. Because I've been taking Athletic Greens for over a year now. Uh, I take it literally every day. I feel amazing. Uh, I am way less tired. I have uh, better gut health, more energy, like my immune system. I get sick way less often. Um, And I don't have to take 8 billion different pills or vitamins every morning. Um, AG1 is 75 high-quality vitamins, mineral, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right, to support gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things that you need to start your day right, Athletic Greens provides for you. It's time to reclaim your health and among your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It is just one scoop in a cup of water every day. I have a little bottle that I got with my supply. Uh, I just put a scoop of that. Fill it with water, shake the heck out of it. You don't need a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. To make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, as athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Do you think it's players that, I mean, we've gone fully off off Riley Height here, but <laughs> this is a, this is a really interesting kind of kind of conversation. Do you think there are players out there that are going to the QMJHL because they think it's like that e like not easy necessarily? I don't know that a lot of hockey players are wired to want to take the easy route, but players that have that kind of offensive touch, do you think they're like, oh well, if I go to the QMJHL, I can put up you know a hundred point season and make it look easy? Like, is there, is there something to that, do you think? I, I think there is something to that, because you don't see as many QMJHL guys take that NCAA route. And in the CHL, it is very regional. It's the East Coast and the States, and then Quebec and the Maritimes kids all have to go to the QMJHL. It's hard to really be a kid from Montreal and go, I'm going to go play in the WHL. It doesn't really work that way because of the way the leagues work. So you're kind of designated to play in the the league that your region is is – uh, assigned to and, and with that said i think a lot of that comes up through the minor systems i think playing in a little bit softer leagues playing in defensively inept leagues as you grow up when you get to the qmjhl that just continues through so i think the qmjhl has got a major problem on their hands in terms of having some sort of defensive structure needed to be put in their league and in their minors uh triple a and midget coming up but the, it can be fixed it just it's going to take some time and I don't know if they really have the mindset to do it right now. So it could be another few years before we see any improvement, really. Yeah, and I feel like, and again, this might be just because I've been paying attention to it. But And this is something we're going to talk about when we talk about a different player in a minute. Um, a lot of Canadians seem to be going the NCAA route. You know, I mean, you look at Adam Fantilli, uh, Owen Power, Kent Johnson, who we just mentioned. Like, there's a, I feel like there's a lot of Canadians who are going that NCAA route and is that due to the NCAA getting better is that just 
they want to go to the states and play there is it that the it, like because it's not for the degree let's be honest <laughs> so no, what, I, uh, I, do I don't think it, all of the canadians going to ncaa yeah I, I don't think it's the degree at the end of the day i think there may be some guys that is the degree i think the allure of going to a michigan or an ohio state or or quinnipiac wherever these schools are minnesota university of minnesota a guy that is kind of a fringe player that ah, i'm gonna take a longer time i need that development time then you go, well, I can get a degree in the process. And you go and do that. And maybe you get signed as a, a free agent or you get drafted and you play your full four years and stuff. There is value in that. I don't think that's a primary reason. I think at the end of the day, I think kids are starting to realize your development path is not very quick. I think a lot of kids go, not every kid is Sidney Crosby. Not every kid is Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid. I'm not going to walk into the NHL at 18 and have an immediate impact. Why do I want to play in North Bay? Why do I want to play in Medicine Hat? Why do I want to play in Prince Albert? And nothing against any of those places across Canada, but it's just not really attractive to to play in those markets. I think they're smaller markets that don't have the best weather. They don't have the best infrastructure in terms of being around a lot of entertainment. And it's kind of a, a drag to play there. So you're a guy that's a second, third round projected guy. You're a guy that maybe is a little bit undersized or is going to need some physical development. Maybe you're a lanky kid. You take that NCAA rate, whether you go to the junior A level in Canada, playing the BCHL or AJHL or, or even the OJHL, or you go to the USHL, which a lot of kids have done. You can go to the college ranks after that. Once you play in Canadian major junior hockey in the CHL, your next step is the, the U sports level. And once you get to the U sports level, it's very rare that you get out of it. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting because I think the NCAA rate is becoming a much more attractive option. I've been saying it should be a bit more attractive option for years now. And, and we're starting to see it. Like you said, Adam Fantilli, uh, a guy like Matt Wood, a, a, you go down the list, Kent Johnson, Owen Power, it's becoming a, a lot more attractive. You see a guy like Owen Power get drafted first overall, and he went back. He went back and played another year in, in college. Not rushing your development is a really important thing for these kids, I think. And, and as kids are getting smarter and as kids are understanding that, they're taking that longer route that allows them an extra couple of years rather than going to the CHL, wasting it away, and, or, or, or getting to the point where you're just kind of too good for that level, even if you are really high in prospect like an Owen Power, like a Ken Johnson. Owen Power in the OHL, that kid's absolutely blowing that league up at, at 18, 19 years old. Why not take that step, play against more physical competition, play against older players? In the NCAA, you have guys as old as 25, 26 playing. You can really gain a lot of experience from playing with those guys. So I think that's why it's such a better route, and I think that's why it's becoming a, a, a more popular choice too. Yeah, this is definitely something I want to keep talking about, um, and we'll do that in the next episode because Tony's going to be here for a couple episodes. Um, I want to get back to, to Riley High to just kind of wrap up on him. We talked about how he's – Probably a 15 to 20 talent, but probably slips. Where is he on your board and where do you think he goes? Like, is he there to the Blue Jackets at 21 to 23? Uh, as of right now on my board, and I'm just pulling it up right now to make sure, he's at 22. So he's right in that kind of range where I don't think he's going to be, and I won't even be shocked if he's, he gets uh, falls down the board a little bit more because this is a guy that is a little undersized. He's not a, a guy that's, blowing things out of the water in terms of the raw physical tools so can he kind of get into that top 
20. I think he can. He deserves it. He's been in that 15 to 23 range kind of all year for me, and that's kind of a tier of its own. But is he going to because of the size? I think the other thing, too, is people love goals. Goals are what people love to see. That's what sells tickets, and he's not a goal scorer. He's a guy that makes plays and gets a lot of assists. So I think that kind of knocks him down a little bit as well. I certainly think he could be there in the early 20s, though. Cool. He is definitely he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye out for because the Blue Jackets they're going to be picking between one and four and then they've got a little bit of a wait so it's going to be really interesting to see who's still on the board when they get to that 21 to 23 uh, point and that's all I've got for you today uh, tomorrow we've got another episode with Tony where we are going to talk all about Jaden Perron of the USHL so that'll be super exciting uh, having Tony on the show is always great. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find Tony at un, uh, the Tony Ferrari. You can find this show at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. Uh, you can comment, question, criticism, uh, at email, lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. Thank you once again for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets continues to be free and available on all podcast platforms over on YouTube. Every day, as you all know this, welcome in new people. If you want to become an everyday, it's super easy. All you do is come back here at the same time tomorrow, and there will be a new episode for you here. Appreciate you all so much. Until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.